Unicorn is a mythical creature. An AI unicorn is a billion-dollar company controlling the whole future of AI. This is an AI reality check, and it's so beyond time, because AI apex predators are what unicorns are. And we're going to explore that along with the New York Times threat and a fascinating look at the top 150 tools that people are using in AI, including a little surprise of who has half of those 3 billion monthly visitors. But remember, pretty much every apex AI predator from the right or from the left has a bunch of lawyers. I'm not one, so all of this that I'm going to share today is simply a podcast of what's up. You make the call. Then we dive into the new report on those 3 billion monthly visitors, and we're going to talk about the New York Times. And was it really fair in the copyright infringement tool for them to bend the rules of fair use in the age of fancy AI tools called LLMs? Or is this a legal bluff to dance around the issue and make a simple challenge a little complex? Well, the goal here is to drop those rose-colored glasses and start looking at AI for the way it is and what we're really facing. As you submerge in AI, sort of rise up because all this hype and hot air that you're reading are from AI unicorns. It's a PR campaign. And while it's informative, don't let it define what AI means to you. Now, if you look at this from the market view and as an entrepreneur in the startup space for a long time, I'm really interested because this current AI bubble, at least according to Torsten Slock, Apollo chief economist, he's talking about this AI bubble being bigger than the 1990s tech bubble. So there's so much money beyond what we've conceived, though do understand that a lot of these are credits, that what Microsoft invested tens of billions of dollars in open AI, most of those were credits that allow them to serve from the cloud the various technology, the tokens, the requests, all the stuff that goes there. And that gives them more than half of the traffic we're about to show of the three billion monthly in the AI space. So you remember that while this is a bubble, always know that this bubble is going to crash. Now, that crash isn't bad, but what are we going to do when all these billion-dollar companies, some of them aren't going to be around? Who are they? We don't know. But Mark Andreessen, who's great on X, shared, a, can big tech actually field generative AI products? And brings up a great, great, great question. Ever-escalating demands from all these people to corrupt the output. People are constantly hacking. Even ChatGPT is accusing the New York Times of hacking their their prompts to be able to see their content that normal people couldn't do that. There's a risk of generating a bad answer or drawing a bad picture. And that is so prevalent. Like in this draft that also was shared by Andreessen, I don't know who created this, but they showed the answer to some prompts asking about different sort of media and should they government ban them. Now, we don't know if in the prompt before, if the person has said, hey, to act like somebody who's going to ban them or a constitutionalist. They could have framed this a lot, but walk through with me because that big deal with AI and these big unicorns is the question of whether or not the government should ban Newsmax is a complex one with no easy answer. Is their answer to should the government ban Newsmax? Okay. Newsmax, by the way, is a very sort of fringe, uh, some people think a right quote unquote wing in the U.S. Uh, journal. Should the government ban OAN? Another one. Question whether it should ban is a complex one with no easy answers. Okay. 
Should the government ban CNN, which is very much on the left along with MSNBC, and it gives a totally different message. The First Amendment prohibits the government and gives you an outline of the First Amendment. And the last sentence is, this means the government cannot censor the media, including CNN. So if it can't censor the media, that means it can't censor CNN, OAN, and Newsmax. Isn't that funny? That's an AI unicorn peeking through with a little bias because in this whole talk of ethics and everything, what they're trying to do is imprint their point of view, of view of the world, which even in the U.S., let's say everyone accepted that, which is not really the point of democracy, but let's say they did. Then everyone around the world has a different point of view. Does that make them all wrong? Does that make the U.S. right? This is where it's really, really crazy. Legal exposure, continuous attempts to, you know, output degrade models because the worst content, it tends to be degradation over time. Long story short, these AI unicorns are sort of in charge of everything that's going on. Now, why this matters? Look at what we went through with last year, the big pause giant AI experiments. All these people who are in academia and major billion dollar companies, along with other places, I understand people are really scared and not optimistic about AI. That's not the objection. What happens is you start seeing this as a giant almost PR release. And if you look at it, there's actually patterns because these aren't companies that are startups, little money trying to convince you. These are people with billions of dollars trying to make deals. Now look at where the news coverage was for this. And notice in the headline, okay, this is where you've got to go in PR. If you are smart, you're putting Elon Musk in there because that's the name everybody knows and complains about and talks about, which creates exposure. And there are six headlines. I see five of them with Elon Musk all calling for a pause. And as you look at the signatories, I took account overwhelmingly in academia, overwhelmingly in big companies from Google, from Microsoft, 33,000 of them. But the key was, it was sort of weird because you're asking to stop AI development and you know you can't. It's worldwide. It's in military for years. This has been around for 10, 15, 20 years. Longer than that if you're really in the business. So why do billion dollar unicorns who know this do it? Creates fear in you. Creates you to look at this through the lens of it's always either utopia. You always see the news like Sora, the video tool I talked about last week, changing the world. And then the next headlines that come out almost in procession from different influencers because the social media algorithms reward this. They reward just this kind of discussion, anger, angst. So we go from utopia to dystopia. It's going to destroy everything. Eventually, nuclear war comes up. You know, an AI conversation's gone when the nuclear option is put in, like we're all in control of the nuclear war, which is possible. But come on. And finally, jobs. Then we just all get sags. It's going to take your job and nobody can do it. This is why you just need to be aware of that. Try to pay a little bit less attention to the people you see in the media and pay more attention to the startups, to the small companies, to the 150 on this list, and what people are actually doing with AI and how many of these big unicorns are making mistakes. And you know the Silicon Valley rules. One out of 10 succeeds. Well, let's look at what that means for the AI reality check. Now, this report, the Generative AI Top 150, is suggested by FlexOS, and we're going to share URLs in um, all our blog podcasts, as well as YouTube, if you want to see the link, as well as on the screen if you're watching this. This list is really, to FlexOS credit, because they went to SimilarWeb. 
Similar web tracks traffic on the internet and digital spaces in many different ways. And they brought it together to actually track what's going on in AI. Now, when you're looking at AI specifically as tools, one thing I will say, and I am showing this data, so I sort of like it. So there's my bias. Remember, we're all biased. Let's always be transparent. But what I liked about this is it used SimilarWeb, which I've done some amazing research for partnerships on. It's one of the few that can really give you information with one rule. It tends to be very desktop skewed. And this is a mobile world. It, these are apps. ChatGPT has many ways of servers or things that might not publicly be open to the internet. I'm not disputing any of this, just part of when I look at data and I'm really impressed with how many 3 billion monthly visitors, where do they all go? Let's take a look at these. And the question I want you to ask yourself as we read some of these, which ones do you know, which ones stand out? Now remember, we're in a bubble, but this is only the little consumer part of AI. There's healthcare, financial services, this is actually a really small piece of the value that AI is bringing. And we all think it's so big because it's about writing, creating, education. And that's why it's actually sort of small and an early wave of showing what's going on while a lot of the other things you're not going to see or will be as visible. So as we look at the top 150, of course, ChatGPT with 1.6 billion visitors. Then Bing, which about 326 million visitors. Grammarly was number three, which is real interesting. Character AI, which I'll talk about in a little bit. The visual, and these people have, again, these are unicorns, Bard, which is now Gemini. Brainly, number six on this list is really interesting. Probably the lowest valuation, not a unicorn, located in Poland and doing very well in education. And it's amazing how the top traffic, it's Brainly, then Course Hero, which is tutoring online. You post a picture of what you're studying. It helps you, tutors you. And then Replit, which does programming, coding, Turnitin, which is it's something to detect AI problems in education. And it's just fascinating that Turnitin, being that big in traffic, obviously qualifies as one of the top 150, but let's take a look at what these sites actually look like, what they involve, and I wanna think about this is why are we using this so much? Well, this is obviously, ChatGPT is the answer engine. The other ones, even Bard Gemini is doing really well, especially the new update. Personally, I really enjoy writing a lot more with it now than I did. And Claude is great, but very low percentage users compared to ChatGPT, everyone is. ChatGPT is like the Google of AI. So you wanna know where we're at? They run the world right now. But look at it, it's a blank screen. It's just a blank screen. Now we look at Grammarly, which is also, I didn't show you Bing, but obviously looks the same. Grammarly is really interesting because they're getting you know, hundreds of millions of visitors only because people use this tool repeatedly for all the writing that they do and sort of as a fact checker. Now look at Character AI, isn't this different? Now this is checking out facts with visuals, with characters, avatars, you know, famous people, they've used Albert Einstein, people who are done as just avatars to answer questions, making this human. I put this question out on the pod a few times, is putting a human face, making this, Warm, fuzzy, touchable, does this matter compared to a blank text screen? Well, in this case, not only do they get a lot more visitors than most, but the time spent is way more than anywhere else, partly because they're not just engaged in finding an answer, they're engaged 
in what the avatar offers them in terms of a feeling, an emotion, a resource. Brainly is really interesting. I'm amazed at the valuation of this from an investment perspective and how well they're doing. Hey, even Midjourney didn't even use funding and has done like $200 million. I have no idea what Brainly's doing in terms of revenue, but wanted to show you a look of how important education is in this AI space, in these top 10. The next one I'm showing here is Course Hero. Again, you upload your document to start studying, it tutors you. Again, this is education and they come right in a row. But what was really fascinating is the next one that came in education, I'm gonna skip one. The next one that comes is Turn It In, which is used to actually have assurance that students aren't using AI and that it can check it. And this has actually been sort of disproven to work, even though there is obviously a big argument about it, but some say Turn It In doesn't even work. Amazing traffic, so think about that. Creating content, tutoring, and then making sure you didn't create AI content as a student. Replit is the only coding programmer in the top 10 of traffic. Again, these are similar web numbers, so there could be a lot of reasons why they didn't get everything factored in. This is not against FlexOS, it's really diligent, but you wanna know that with similar web data. Still, clear pattern. This is where the coding and program really goes to the next level. And it brings up a question of, how do we actually monetize this? Because what you're looking at with AI, and I'm showing you deep AI, an image generator, even bigger than Midjourney, in the top 10 according to traffic again. This is traffic from similar web visits. But deep AI shows us some really interesting things. What would you like to help with? Very plain, right? The blank slate. So I clicked on it and it allowed me to do AI characters. This is a choice I wanted to compare to character AI. So it would let me do somebody like Taylor Swift. So now I can be talking to avatar Taylor Swift and all that implies. When we get into that experience, this is what's really interesting. You might see it pop up sort of slow because you know what? This is an ad-driven model. So what they've done and somehow are allowed to use this avatar of Taylor Swift, who's not literally the real one, obviously, but on the top, we have an ad. On the bottom, we have an ad. This is a classic SEO kind of monetized site. So is this what we want AI to become? Do we want AI to be monetized by ads or do we want it to be not just more free, but more centered on what we do with it? So even though I look at ChatGPT, and this is super early days, so we're not making conclusions here, but if I'm looking at the top 150, what that really teaches me is this is not only working, but it's become that sort of brand. Like you Google a search, this is where you chat GPT and answer, even though you have to pay for it to really get the answer. And it's not it, but it's really fascinating to show that in those top AI tools, almost all are LLMs. Almost all who are doing this are actually large language models. Back to the Generative AI Top 150 report, here's an example of that. GPTs are 66% of the traffic they estimated, then writing and editing, education, social and characters, that's character AI, and other. Notice that this list is dominated by ChatGPT, Bar Gemini, Claude, all the LLMs, which are the foundational elements of AI. So you have to understand 
It's a GPT-driven world. And those GPTs are all unicorns. It's very hard not to be, even though one called Mistral, M-I-S-T-R-A-L, sort of shook things up coming in from Europe, who's a much lower cost LLM than ChatGPT and Microsoft invested. Why? My guess, they're in Europe. And ChatGPT is American. And as much as we like to say this is international, countries want control of their data. Countries want control of what ethics means, what morality means. They want to be able to share it within their country. So as we would love AI to be everywhere, right now it's being limited by our own boundaries, our own borders, our own bias and content, and in delivery and politics. So the top AI tools by category, let's take out GPTs if you're watching on YouTube or another channel. I have it visually. Writing and editing is out of that little one third of the pie is the biggest. Then there's social and characters, character AI. You could even put simplified AI that I showed you in there with the Taylor Swift example. Education, research, image generation, only 11% of that bubble. Not as big as I would have thought. And then other, because there's so many different things going on in AI that you don't really know how deep it goes. But what's remember, this is not the biggest part of AI. This is the consumer part, the generative AI related to writing, reading, education, and image generation. That's the reality of where we are. And more than half the traffic is going to chat GPT. And finally, a quick update in the New York Times copyright infringement case that actually started going and people are actually putting in legal paperwork. And we had a really interesting finding shared by ChatGPT towards the New York Times. The truth, this is from ChatGPT, who is saying to OpenAI, excuse me, ChatGPT and OpenAI are saying to the New York Times, in answer to the lawsuit that New York Times says, you took my content without my permission. ChatGPT slash OpenAI says, this is what's called fair use. We're allowed to use, you see me in this video taking snippets, but not taking the entire piece of content to report on it. We're to do something that is not necessarily profit-centered. Questionable there. But what OpenAI says in the legal document towards New York Times is the truth, which will come out in the course of this case, is that they tried to hack OpenAI's products. It took them tens of thousands of attempts to generate these anomalous results, as they say, which means weird, but also means that they took all this time to hack it so a normal person, me especially going there, wouldn't know the secret combination of words and they took the content out and put it in quotes and did all these things we did with ChatGPT. OpenAI says, you did too much. That doesn't mean anyone can do it. Therefore, fair use is implied. Now, why does this really, really matter to you? Because the apex AI predator is really a unicorn. And this unicorn is really how we perceive the future of AI. So are we simply pawns in their game, constantly learning from the tech bros who set the rules because all this talk of diversity, all this talk of bringing in ethics and things, it's all run by people who are unicorns or in the billion dollar level at academia. Great input. But how are we actually integrating this to people? How are we making sure open source survives? Because this is overhyped and it's underhyped. Over because much of what we digest is unicorn distilled PR predicting futures and trying to control narratives that few people understand. In fact, it makes them like AI is way over most people's heads and they're scared of it. If anything, they don't understand it and the best it might take their job.
Early adopters are the people who sort of get it. We're in an early adopter chain, of course, but underhyped is a simple help AI offers because the overhype scares them all away. That they're not even, even when people in businesses, I see it time and time again, AI tool founders talk with me and they say, we put the person in front of it, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to connect the dots. They didn't know they had to converse with an LLM around analytics, around image generation. That takes a lot. Have you ever seen these chains of prompts people write? I write 10 to 15 of them. That's not easy. And they're scared. People are scared because they're told to dive into something that totally confuses them with the only help, a blank text box. And, and let's be honest, always in these technical moves, we have this sort of like, well, you better understand all the jargon and things. This one's way beyond it. They're told to dive in and they're not only resisting, they're challenging the AI status quo, which says AI first. Let's figure out how we can do it with AI without people. What I'm saying is AI people first. Unpack the emperors with no clothes of the AI landscape, and let's explore the path where AI works for people first. So the reality you need to understand is stop listening to all these sound bites from AI spokespeople, CEOs, founders. They're great. You can learn from them. But we got to get off of that. Start looking what people are doing and start listening to the fact that the customers are resisting because we're not presenting it very well. And we need to learn about AI because personally, I think this can really change things, but we're just going back into our same silos. So let's find a way to bring this together and nothing against AI unicorns. Actually, they're doing things that are gonna be amazing, but we gotta keep them accountable, right? That's what we do. And that's what makes it better product, better AI, AI that won't eat us all, at least in the AI optimist point of view.